thanks to our sponsor, Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only does it tell you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it, right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every single day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences for your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your free 14-day trial with plans starting from as little as $4 a month. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 432. Today, we're going to talk about diversity, China, and .NET devs getting some love in AWS. Recorded live October 21st, 2021. This podcast is brought to you by Geomont. Have you thought about adding contact center capabilities into your existing Microsoft Teams user base? If so, take advantage of our promo to add BuzzEasy Contact Center for Teams from Geomont and get your first month subscription for free. It's a complete omni-channel experience that works seamlessly with Teams Voice. BuzzEasy was developed with best practices in Azure and offers a rich, easy-to-use experience. Geomont is a Microsoft Gold Partner part of the technology adoption program and their BuzzEasy chatbot solution for Teams has been chosen as a preferred solution on the Microsoft App Store. See the show notes for details around a special offer. Back to the show. Good morning. Yo. <laughs> morning, man. How's it going? I'm well. How are you doing? I am doing really good. Doing really Excellent. good. What's up with you lately? What's up with me? All sorts, really. Getting ready for sort of end of the year shenanigans, doing a little bit of travel, not too much, just dipping my toe in the water. Got a work trip coming up. Dun, 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 which is out of the norm. So kind of preparing for a little bit of that. But yeah, all good on the home front. How about you? I've uh, been, been a little busy. I actually took some time this week to do some like technical debt cleanup of in Azure. Mm. I had an Azure Function app that I had created back when I started my company like five years ago, four years ago, five years ago. And it was to collect a whole bunch of webhook posts from the different SaaS services I use. But it's one of those things that it works. And so I've been terrified to touch it because I was afraid that if it all of a sudden just broke, it'd be I'd get screwed. Don't touch what ain't broken, right? Yeah. Don't fix what ain't broken. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that was that was looming over my head was that so Azure Function, I did everything with JavaScript functions, but I wrote everything, built everything all through the browser-based console. So there was no testing or anything with it. There was no, nothing was saved anywhere. And I've wanted to, every time I've had to stand up like an Azure Function for something else, I've been scared to use that function app because I'm scared to like recreate it and all that jazz. Yeah. Well, I also store a lot of stuff inside of Azure App Insights. So all the webhooks go into Azure App Insights to be able to track and make sure stuff's coming in. But I've also had this looming thing of, oh, you have to migrate your classic App Insights over to Workspace, Log Mm -hmm. Analytics Workspace-based. And this week, I just kind of had this, you know what, let's just get this sorted out. So I went through the process of taking a Azure function. I started doing this back earlier this year, but I ultimately found a bug in the functions runtime, specifically the consumption plans for Linux-based VMs, submitted the bug, they acknowledged it, and they fixed it, but I never went around, got back to doing everything. Well, the cool thing was, is that I was able to very quickly revitalize that project, confirm the bug was fixed, and I did a whole like new redeployment of the Azure function. It, it was a complete rewrite of the one that I had that was accepting all those webhooks. It's got full, you know, 100% test coverage and CI, CD, blah, blah, blah. Actually, pretty cool. I don't know if we want to do this one time on the show. I got a, I have a cool like process of how I do Azure Function development and deployment and with like GitHub Actions and testing. And Yeah, we should uh, talk about that. That sounds interesting. Deploys the staging slots and dev slots. And then there's, yeah. it doesn't switch over to release until I actually tag and issue release in the GitHub works repo. Anyway. That's cool. Nice. All that's done. And custom domain and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm, it's great. And I'm just waiting for 
it's funny because I get like webhooks from like the payment processors. One of my two payment processors are Stripe and PayPal. Yeah. And I'm waiting to shut down the old Azure Function app, but I don't want to do it until I see someone make a purchase with PayPal. Most people use Stripe when they're yeah, buying my course. So I'm like waiting for somebody to buy the course. I'm tempted to go like, you know, I'm just going to go buy my own course real quick. I just want to see the event show up in both the old one and I want to see the same event show up in the new one. It should yeah. work. Yeah. There's no reason why it wouldn't work, at least, well, unless I have a failure of imagination. So Yeah, I know what you mean. But you just want yeah. to see it work end to end for those things. I, or I you do. could solve it by just turning off PayPal. I can't. Uh, I have a, there's an, enough people that will only pay via PayPal and that won't use oh, really? the credit card thing that I already have on the site. Huh, interesting. Yeah, and PayPal is also, we also use PayPal for our uh, invoicing solution as well. So when a company has a bunch of people that want to buy, like our, our site is set up for, one, for one-off for one purchases, like one-by-ones. So when a company says, I've got 10 developers, we create, an, it's either they're going to go use the same credit card and have to go to each student and put the credit yeah. card in 10 times. I see. Or it's just, hey, we'll send you an invoice, pay once, and then send us the names and email addresses and we'll onboard them so that they Manually. get it like, they, like yeah. they just bought it. So, Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, it's been fun because it's nice to like, I've been deleting Azure resources left and right uh, this week after creating one. Uh, it's going <laughs> to feel so good. Spring cleaning. Yep. Are you going to be charged a little less? That You don't have all this old stuff sitting around that it all sort of smells new and fresh and all good to go. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. We, we should do that as another episode. I wonder if anybody would be interested to hear that. Like what, what is like a good CI/CD process for doing Azure Functions? I definitely uh, would. Oh, let's do it next week. Yeah, sounds good. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, there you go. I'll get value out of that. So uh, screw it. I'm uh, putting my vote in. And since I'm the only one, other one here. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's on the schedule. Ta-da! Hey, I, I had a, have to write a blog post about it too. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Um, your content motivation as well. I had a fun experience this week. We had a, or I had a, a ex-Hyperfish staff reunion lunch, which was kind of fun. It was kind of cool. It's been a little while now. So it was good to get some of the old crew together and um, meet up with everybody and, and uh, catch up with what everybody's up to and where they're at now and what's going on in their lives. And, you know, a lot of us are still obviously in close communication, but some others have gone off and done other things. And what I found was really interesting that just totally blew my mind, but really it makes perfect sense, is that there are some people who were there who weren't there at the same time as other people. And so like that there weren't overlaps in in some people, right? And so I was like, we were all just there from the beginning. Like this just doesn't make any sense. But it turns out there wasn't some overlap. And it just totally blew my mind. It's like, hold on, how the hell can't you know them? Like, how does that yeah. work? But sure enough, it was like, you know, even if it's just a few weeks between people or something. I know that sounds kind of silly and bizarre, but yeah, it was it just really blew my mind. But it's cool to catch up with everybody and have a bit of a reunion, see what everybody's up to and hear about what's going on in their lives and what they're up to now. And great to see uh, where people go in their careers. So it was That's fun. cool. It's one yeah. of the few times, it sounds like one of the few times you actually want to get around and uh, have old fish. So that's, uh, <laughs> There's not many times where you want old fish, but this is one. <laughs> yep. It was quite funny. Everybody came with, not everybody, uh, quite a few people came with their old hyperfish swag, you know, hats oh. and t-shirts and hoodies and all that sort of stuff. So it was kind of cool. Kind of cool. I had on, I had my, uh, my hyperfish uh, sweatshirt on, was it earlier this week? And uh, rolled into, where, where, yeah, I rolled, went into somewhere. Oh, to go uh, drop my car off for uh, for service. And dude, this guy that was sitting in the waiting room. He's like, "That's a cool sweatshirt. Where'd you get that?" I'm like, "Can't get this one anymore, man." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Nice. So anyway, yeah, that was fun. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, with that, how about we get stuck into some news and what's new with Microsoft 365? Sounds good to me. This episode is sponsored by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. 
SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. This episode is sponsored by ShareGate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareGate comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. And now, back to the show. Well... The new thing that's new with Microsoft 365, I have one new thing that's new with Microsoft 365, and it's kind of an out with the old. Not in with the new, but out with the old. This is... <laughs> what's new is old? What's old is new? Hold on. Well, yeah, that's right. It's what's, what, actually, what's old is gone. <laughs> or is going away. Fair enough. Message Center ID 292735. They are retiring Microsoft Teams mobile support for devices running Android 5, 6, and Android 7 as well. And... I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that the iOS rollout for Microsoft Teams that has seemed to happen in the last couple of days, I don't know if it's a if it's a, a service-based issue or if it's the actual app issue, but if you're on iOS or iPadOS and you are in the Microsoft tenant as a guest, you now have an absolute horrible experience when it comes to authentication. Because every time you try and go into your tenant, to the Microsoft guest tenant, you get prompted to authenticate, and you authenticate. And it goes, sorry, we don't have any, we don't have any idea who you are. And it is only the Microsoft guest tenant that I keep getting kicked out of. Which and it's is only on. It's only the on the Microsoft guest tenant. devices. Yep, it's only on the iOS devices, and it's only the Microsoft tenant. Weird. So far. Weird. That's a curly one. It's yeah, always identity, I, isn't it? Identity. Oh it's always identity, but it, well, and Cracky. teams. But yeah, frustrating. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. If you're running Android 5, 6, and 7. I don't know. I'm not an Android guy. Is that old? Do you know? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It seems, I think it is, but I don't know how old it is. Like I don't know if we're on like Android 15 or if we're on an Android 9 or what. Yeah, gotcha. Google would help us on this one. I don't know. I Possibly. can tell you're Googling it up. Yeah. So um, while you're doing... Oh. Android, yeah, Android 7. Android, it was first releases in alpha on March 2016. Oh, that's old. So yeah, that's pretty old. That's fair enough. There you go. Okay. So it was cool. introduced in 2016. And that was number seven. So five and six are earlier than that as well. Yeah, that's really old stuff. Well, you know, Interesting. I know okay. our order of our news that we have this week, I know is not, the what we have in our notes is, does not really go along with this. But I figured since we're talking about Android, I can knock out some Amazon news for us. Yeah, go ahead. All right. These are two quick things that I'm just going to throw out here. Both of them are around AWS. And if you're a .NET developer and you're working with Amazon Web Services, AWS, last spring, prior and earlier in 2021, they announced a preview of their new develop, uh, deployment tooling for .NET. They've been adding a lot of stuff to it since then, dropping new releases every two weeks. And they have just now released a bunch of stuff. They want to recap a lot of the new updates that they've done. So this is an update on their AWS.NET deployment experience and how to do deployment or how to deploy projects with the new AWS deployment experience. Both of these are blog posts from the AWS blog in the middle of October. They've got support for .NET 6 is coming very, very soon. They have an AWS runner app. They've got like... ASP.NET core applications can be easily deployed to ECS. That's their Elastic mm -hmm. Container Service. Mm -hmm. Console services are deployed to ECS. Blazor WebAssembly apps, scripted deployments. All that stuff is all part of this big update that they've done and how you can create a deployment project to very easily do this using Visual Studio as well. Cool. That's interesting. Giving some .NET developers some love there, huh? They are. They are. They've got... I mean, they, they, there's a significant number of people that are still used that are using... .NET on AWS. So yeah, I bet. 
a bit. Yeah. What you got for Let's us? Some tooling. So Microsoft have come out with their 2021 diversity and inclusion report talking about, they're very, I guess, public about this. They, they put out this report once a year on how they're doing around diversity and inclusion inside the company. Mm. And there's just some interesting bits to read here. There's obviously, there's some material you can go and watch, some videos about the change they're making and progress, things like that. But there are also some numbers that they put out. So here are some interesting stats just quickly off the top, off this page. So since 2017, the size of our global core Microsoft workforce has grown 41.6%. And the number of women employees globally grew by 64.9% over that same time period. So mm. they're, they're growing, obviously growing the whole workforce quickly, but also, yeah, disproportionately hiring women in those categories, you know, for those roles to the tune of almost 65%, which was pretty incredible. They talk about Black and African-American hires in the company, representing now 5.7% of the US workforce, which I was actually really surprised at how low that was, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, holy, holy smokes, that's actually not as high as I would have guessed. If you'd asked me prior to seeing this, I would have, I would have probably guessed more like 20%. But um, it's only at six, you know, almost six percent. But it's up up one percentage point from last year. So there's obviously, you know, some focus on on ensuring they're getting a diverse pool of candidates for roles, which is which is always a good thing, of course. They talk about uh, U.S. employees with disabilities at seven point one percent as well, and they're just, I just love the transparency here, especially around. Pay. So they talk about pay. And across all the categories, equal pay by race, race and ethnicity. For example, racial and ethnic minority employees earn on like 0, 0, so $1.006 for every $1 earned by their white counterparts. So it's, it is just a tad above the $1 mark by three decimal places. It's not very much, right? But it's pretty close. Same with women in the US. It's interesting that they choose the race and ethnicity numbers for the US. The equal pay for women in the US is $1.002 for every dollar male counterparts earn. So again, very much on par, I would say, three decimal places again. And then equal pay for women globally, women in 13 of our largest markets combined. So that seems like a very cherry-picked number to me. 13 market number. <laughs> I know they do their... Actually, internally at Microsoft, they have like the A13, which is the 13 main areas of the company geographically. And so they measure quite a lot of things by the A13. But in particular, this one has been chosen for the A13 as well. But um, they don't talk about it globally, which, I don't know, may not be quite as impressive, perhaps. These things are interesting. You get a little concerned about saying anything when you see some of these numbers because you're like, I don't want to be, I don't know if what I'm, I'll be completely honest. I don't know if what I'm saying here is like insensitive, which I don't think it is. It's more or less that I just don't understand the stuff. So like, for example, you know, when the part of their report where they talk about equal pay by race, ethnicity, ethnicity, ethnicity thank you, that <laughs> word, equal pay for women and then equal pay for women globally versus the US. And it's interesting to me that you would want to highlight that one cohort of people, one group of people is paid more than comparing it to like their white counterparts. Because it would seem to, I understand what they're, that historically there may have been an issue where there not may have been an issue. I don't want to sound like I'm skeptical, but I understand historically that men were paid more than women. And to flip that around, I mean, the point wasn't to say no women should be, we should be paying women more than men. It seems to me it's like, no, isn't it supposed to be equality where like, it shouldn't matter what your race, it shouldn't matter what your gender is. That should all be the same. Yeah. I, I think at three decimal places, I sort of round that to they're equal. Well, I do too, but it's kind of like the fact that they're highlighting it that a sixth, like you know, a sixth of a of a cent, a sixth of a penny, yeah. uh, six tenths of a penny is something that you want to highlight. It's like Yeah, gotcha. It's almost it like why would you choose to show so such a small difference? Or that yeah, that, that they want to show that it's more, I guess. Mm. If you look at somebody's salary, generally across the board, is six tenths of a cent going to buy you an extra coffee throughout the year? Don't know. I mean, was that? That's like unless you're Satcha, probably not. 
<laughs> yeah, I, that's my. That, so I just it, it's yeah. it's a weird thing for me to highlight, I, but it's nice to see that it's a focus of the company and that it's a that diversity inclusion is a focus of the company that they pay attention to it. So I think that's and that they're transparent about it. I think yeah. you have to overly focus on something and make sure that you're doing that. Sometimes you have to bend in unusual and weird ways to ultimately make something become the norm that you don't yeah. then have to focus on, right? So it takes some time for change. And um, I'm glad to see them obviously focusing on this and thinking about it and doing stuff about it. I know for a fact it's it's super hard in certain parts of Microsoft. If you don't fit the diversity or inclusion mold, it's tough to get roles because mm-hmm. they're so focused on trying to balance the scales, right? In a forced way, which is, you know, some may, may or may not agree with that, right? But... Sometimes, like I said, sometimes you have to do weird and unusual things to get balance back in a system. Mm-hmm. So um, at least that's my take on it, but I'm no expert on this stuff. Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely a topic that can generate quite heated feelings or quite uh, strong feelings, not heated. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, I've got an event that's coming up that we wanted to mention everybody. It's coming up on October the 28th and it's about, it's called Modernizing Apps and Data with Azure and Power Apps. Shocker is a virtual event. It's free. It's two and a half hours long at 9 a.m. on Pacific time on October 28th. A couple things that, that they highlight with this, get insights and best practices from industry experts, see how to deliver innovative customer experiences at cloud scale, see why, your, why our, speaking as Microsoft, see why customers have modernized their apps and data with V Azure. That's odd. Watch in-depth tech demos of features available in Azure and Power Apps, and learn how Azure can help you modernize with confidence. That's a lot of stuff, including when they also talk about doing in-depth technical demos in about two and a half hours. Yeah. But it's a free event. And if you're looking to maybe do that in your organization, it may be a good option for you to go check out. For sure. For sure. That sounds pretty cool. Yep. All right. Speaking of, you know how before you mentioned whether 0.006 of a dollar would make any difference in your pay packet? Yes. There is some news out, I guess not news, I guess some reporting about how much Satya gets paid. Oh my gosh, I saw this. So I think his base salary or so is up to like 50 mil a year, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we'll link to a tweet here, which sort of breaks down some of this out of the financials. Satya got about 50 mil, Amy Hood about 24 um, who else would you know? Brad Smith, the head of LCA at Microsoft, 20, 20 and a half mil. Those are probably the names listeners will, uh, will know of. But that's not the whole story. So what's interesting is Satya, his deal included three tranches of shares in Microsoft, three tranches of 900,000 shares each tranche if he hit certain numbers, right? So essentially, if the stock price of Microsoft hit certain values and shareholder value was realized, right? Right. He has hit all three of those milestones. The last one apparently ended in February. He hit all three. So that's 900,000 times three, which currently equates to $292.5 million worth of Microsoft stock. Jesus. Yeah. Amazing, huh? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to argue that he's not done a good job. Like the Microsoft stock price has done extraordinarily well under him. You know, it's obviously not just his leadership that's done it, but the company's obviously done very well in a bunch of areas. But, you know, he's obviously the leader of that and he he shares in those rewards. And in this case, to the tune really of almost, yeah, to the tune of uh, you know, almost three hundred million dollars. Good God. That's amazing. You know, that stock, he's probably not selling it either. You know, so he, well, probably not a lot of it, at least. No. I mean, he's got play money in his 50 mil a year salary, right? So <laughs> he's, got enough for, he's got enough for school lunches. <laughs> <laughs> he can afford a vacation. He can probably afford some time off. Yeah. He's getting paid time off anyway. So he'd be sitting <laughs> on the beach just like, ching, ching, ching. <laughs> but, you know, good on him. I mean... The Microsoft yeah. stock price has absolutely gone bananas. And it, um, five years ago, or whenever this was instigated, 
or maybe even more now, would you ever have thought Microsoft stock was over 300 bucks? Probably not. So not, not when I was sitting on it in the high 20s for so long and then I finally sold it and wish I, wish I hadn't sold everything that I had sold at the time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I guess the same goes, you know, we've seen crazy performance numbers from Elon as well in terms of mm. Tesla stock, right? So execs get payouts for driving shareholder value and mm-hmm. uh, that typically means the stock price. So yeah, I think point zero. my whole point about this was I think 0.006 wouldn't make much sense on a normal person's salary, but on, on $50 million is probably a fair amount. Actually, yeah. let's do a quick calc here. 56, how much was it? 50 million times 0.006, right? That's $300,000. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's quite a bit. So the, all right. So what you're saying is, to answer my question, it's a crap ton of coffee. 300k worth of coffee? Yeah, that's quite a crap ton of coffee. How much does coffee cost? Oh, uh, well, it depends. Starbucks. Are you going to Starbucks? <laughs> go Let's, do the Starbucks. Let's do the Starbucks number because it's it's everywhere. Five-ish bucks when you go to get like a... 55? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's say it was five bucks, then that's 60,000 coffees. That's a fair amount per year. So divided by 365 days in a year. That's 165 coffees a day. <laughs> drink that much water. <laughs> Divide that in an eight-hour day. That's 20 coffees an hour. <laughs> that's quite a bit. <laughs> I wonder how many coffees are drunk at Microsoft every day. More than 164. In total? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thousands. Yeah. Thousands. I heard some number actually about the Redmond campus when people were working there, of course. You know, there's, there's free soda in all the fridges, right? Everywhere. Yeah. And there is a, a permanent, I think it's Coke or I think it's Coke truck that their entire job is just driving around campus refilling Microsoft fridges. That's all they service, right? And I saw some absurd number of the numbers, number of sodas consumed in a year just on campus. I wish I could remember what it was, but it just sort of blew your mind. You're like, wow, that's not good. <laughs> that's really not bad. Not healthy. Yep. Yeah. That's nuts. Anyway, so Sacha, I hope you're not drinking 165 coffees an hour to get the share price to over $300. But uh, whatever you're doing, keep it up. I Thank you, the, Microsoft shareholders. Maybe the uh, maybe the share price is driven by caffeine. <laughs> I'm sure some of it is across the whole company. Absolutely. Took caffeine away. Boom. Productivity, non-existent. All right. So somehow we were able, I, somehow between the two of us, we were both able to equate Sacha's salary to diversity and 164 cups of coffee per day. So that was a stretch. I give you that. That's okay. I'm yeah. sure there's not a single other podcast that has done that this week when talking about his salary. So that makes us unique. I also hope he was excluded from the diversity inclusion numbers. Oh, being what? a non-white male, right? And and will the CEO be included in the diversity inclusion numbers? Because that could be an outlier. <laughs> that, that could have definitely swayed the non-female, non-white number. Yeah, it's that, really you, not point zero zero six. It's really like it's actually swinging the other way. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you'd right, have, you'd, you'd just, you would imagine he was not included in those numbers. <laughs> I would. I would hope. Yeah, I'd hope yeah. so. Okay, moving on. Uh, sticking with uh, Microsoft, I got a little bit of Devi, a little back to the dev- developer side, specifically for our Azure developers. Got a blog post here, came out in the middle part of October. It's titled, Announcing New Azure Monitor Query Client Libraries. Say that fast. Very quiet. Yeah, very, they're very <laughs> quiet. They're very quiet, quiet Very really quiet. Yeah. So for everyone, earlier this year, the Microsoft SDK team went through a big modernization project to standardize and modernize their SDKs and making it easier to get data, to work with data inside Azure. They did this, I know the storage team was doing this uh, around like blob and query uh, queue and table storage. Well, the Azure monitor team was doing this as well and trying to standardize some stuff also with authentication and all that. What they've done is they've published a bunch of different client libraries. They're available for .NET, Java, JavaScript and TypeScript and Python developers. And there's a bunch of new improvements that they've added to this since they've gone GA or now that they've gone GA with this. The blog post here walks you through the different options if you're a .NET, a Java, a JavaScript or TypeScript developer or a Python developer on how you can go about adding these to your projects. 
And this, the short little bit that you can see here is very simple, but like I'm a TypeScript person. So I'm going to install the Azure slash identity package. I'm also going to install the Azure slash monitor dash query package. You create a credential, a default Azure credential, and then you create either a logs query client or a metrics query client. And what's cool about this is that I can use this to query data that's inside of my log analytics workspace that I'm using inside of Azure that that the modern app insights hmm. is based on. A lot of the things are based on. Looking at the sample code here, it's really slick because you just call query workspace, pass in the workspace ID, and then it's basically dropping in a query just like you would if you were using the web uh, the web client. So it looks really easy to get data out of your uh, of log analytics. Uh, your log analytics workspaces, or if you were trying to get a metrics, you can do the same thing. So nice, nice improvements here around these SDKs. Very cool. Uh, yeah. You know how a couple of weeks ago we talked about the HoloLens contract with the U.S. Army, yes, not going so well, and it was a twenty-one point nine billion dollar deal. There has been subsequent follow-up saying the Army has clarified that it is pushing back the date of its plans with augmented reality glasses from Microsoft, but it, that it remains fully committed to the contract. In other words, I'm just reading between the lines and going to hypothesize about what's going on, but I suspect it's not going so well. Things aren't living up to the agreement or what they need out of the agreement, and so they've given them more time. And so it's being pushed out to September 2022, slightly further than the Boeing Starliner. <laughs> Savage. Savage. Although, who knows? Who knows at this well, rate? Yes. <laughs> but um, anyway, but yeah, September 2022 is now the expected date. So they haven't cancelled the contract. They're giving them more time to get their system working, I suppose, mm. or iron out whatever the problems are or more development time. I don't know what the problems are. They haven't really detailed them. But uh, yes, anyway, I just thought I'd flick that out there as a bit of a follow-up to that news that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Interesting. I have another one, another article here that this has been, I've been paying attention to this a little bit more and like some stuff that I've been reading, not specifically around like Microsoft or LinkedIn, but around businesses that do, about companies that do business in China and how in order to do business in China, they've had to, my words, make some compromises to their services to meet Chinese requirements, like censorship requirements and stuff like that. Microsoft is one of the latest ones that's doing this. So like we know that YouTube is not available in China. That that's actually quite challenging. There's a lot of content that's on the Microsoft site that is in published in YouTube. Like we do that in all the SharePoint framework documentation. Huh. But when the Microsoft Learning site, we can't use when I publish something in Microsoft Learning as part of uh, some work that I do with that team, I can't use YouTube. I can't publish anything to YouTube. Instead, I have to publish to an internal video host that Microsoft has this arcane, really pain-in-the-butt tool that, that they have to use the editor process you have to use to go through to upload stuff. And then we also publish the exact same content as, as playlists over on YouTube for the rest of the world to be able to use and get better SEO. Well, Microsoft has recently said that while they had planned to do a lot more work and leverage LinkedIn inside of China, they have decided that they're going to shut down LinkedIn in China later this year yeah. Primarily because there are tighter government rules that China has put in place on internet companies. Microsoft said that they faced, quote, a significantly more challenging operating environment and greater compliance requirements in China, end quote. Mm-hmm. So they're going to replace its localized version with a new app called InJobs that has some of the LinkedIn's career networking features, but will not, quote, include a social feed or the ability to share posts or articles. Yeah, yeah. This is... I've seen, you know, YouTube's had challenges with this. Facebook's had challenges with this. Microsoft's having challenges with this. It's Apple, same thing, having to acquiesce on some stuff that they've done as well. I mean, this is like, yep. it's really interesting. Yeah, they're finding it hard and debating whether it's worth it by the looks of it because, or have decided it's not worth it, I guess. They mention in the article that there are competitors to LinkedIn. There's like local competitors that are more popular and things. So I suspect they've looked at this and gone, it's just not worth the cost of compliance. So we're going to stop doing certain things and stuff like that. So two different internets. It's nuts. Um, yeah, I remember visiting when I was in Beijing many years ago. This was in 2002, when my first time I'd been there. And there was an internet room in the hotel that only foreigners were allowed into. And it had a computer in there that was 
on the proper internet <laughs> and you could get to news websites and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you had to go down to reception and the manager had to unlock the room and let you in. And there's no chance that it was monitored. <laughs> None whatsoever. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. But yeah, you could get to you know news websites and all that sort of stuff that you couldn't otherwise, if you walked into an internet cafe, for example. I don't know what it's like now, but I know, for example, there's all sorts... Yeah, I mean, this is a whole topic. Microsoft, when you travel, suggests you don't take your laptop, for example, and they give you one when you arrive, stuff like that. Mm. So it's a different operating environment. All right. Crazy. Speaking of a different operating environment, Windows 11. What? what? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, we've been chatting in a, in a private Slack group that we've, we're members of about Windows 11 a little bit, and I haven't upgraded yet. But And I basically my excuse in the, in the Slack group yesterday was, I'm too old and grumpy to, <laughs> to cope with an upgrade of my OS if I'm going to have any problems. So I just don't want anything to break right now. I've got too much to do, and I don't mm. want to have to deal with it. So I'm holding off for the moment. But I'm link, we're linking to a video here by Snazzy Labs, who's a Mac fanboy who does a review of Windows 11. And it's actually pretty interesting. Oh. So um, he comes away with it thinking that it's generally really great and that he's a big fan, which wow. I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. It's interesting what he touches on, like what he talks about. So like he talks about UI consistency in Windows in the past has been a dog's breakfast. You know, like sometimes you get the modern control panel-y thing and other times you get like the Windows 3.1 inspired control panel-y thing. And you know, it's, it's all over the map. So, but he talks about more consistency and UX and how it uh, looks and feels and things like that, as well as things like alerts and animations and all that sort of stuff. So you should definitely go check it out. But, but what's really hilarious is in the description for the video, you know, he's got this little description about what the video is. And then you know how people put little promo links in their descriptions? His first yeah. promo link is buy a Windows 11 license and in brackets, lol, or other things, and it's a link to it on Amazon. So, <laughs> so he reviews it, and then if you want to go buy Windows 11, <laughs> you can use his affiliate link where he'll get some sort of kickback from Amazon. So um, interesting, huh? That's interesting. I, yeah, I found it interesting you said that you weren't taking your time to upgrade to Windows 11 on your laptop. I don't have that as an option. I've got my Windows piece. I have two Windows laptops that I use for different things. One is dedicated just for one specific client to access their network. The other one I use for like some volunteer work that I do, and it's got an app on there that only works on Windows and I can't, I can't virtualize it. <laughs> but uh, I don't have, like neither one of them can run Windows 11. So I've got like, I really have no <laughs> options to run Windows 11. Somebody pointed out, yeah, but you could do a special thing with a bootable to you know get around the process of requirement, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that sounds like too much effort when stuff I have right now just works. Yep. I, anyway, I found it funny that you said it like that because I'm sitting here counting down the days, four more days as of this recording until the next version of Mac OS comes out. And mm. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. So knock on wood, I've never had an, a problem when I go through and upgrade my OS on Mac OS. It's always yeah. just super clean. Yeah, I guess the reason I don't want to upgrade right now is like I play Microsoft Flight Sim and DCS which is another flight sim, combat flight simulator in VR. And getting that all working well is like balancing a card on its edge without suffering major performance problems. Like, you know, you got to think about drive, like video card driver versions, VR yeah. type, ver like open XR versions and all this stuff that you need to get just lined up right. And it's, so right now it's all going smooth and I don't want to, be relaxed at the end of the day, sit down and I want to play some DCS and then just deal with some sort of crappy issue that I can't really put my finger on whether it was something to do with the OS upgrade or if it's some sort of downstream problem that it's caused. I just, I would rage quit and throw my computer through the window. So Yeah, you just don't want to deal with it. I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. I'm not so worried about it from a, you know, day-to-day -day OS kind of thing. I'd upgrade if I was doing, you know, if I, if I wasn't, I think I would upgrade if I wasn't doing that stuff. I just really don't want to deal with any issues that cost me to not be able to you know, play a flight sim at the end of the day. I can understand that. I can understand silly, that. But I've got another, I've got a laptop that I'm going to do it with though. So just not my desktop PC. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. 
I've got an article here on the Microsoft 365 space. This is Microsoft Teams ISV app monetization capabilities are now available in Dev Preview. They talked about this earlier at Build earlier this year about new features that are going to allow ISV app developers to monetize their apps directly within Microsoft Teams. And they are announcing those as in developer preview right now. So a lot of things that you can do, try and build a Teams app and sell it through the App Store. I know there's a lot of attention in the Microsoft 365 space around their App Stores. SharePoint is going through a bunch of upgrades and modernization of theirs as well. So it's not surprising to see that Microsoft Teams is doing this as well. It still is a little... Still, I think that people suffer from some confusion around the complexity of trying to be like, you know, why is there not like a Microsoft 365 store and where can what can I install for different places, different environments? Which... I mean, it's kind of funny. I get it. But on the other side, I also understand why there's a Mac OS store and there's an the app store for iOS and iPad. So it's like you got two different ones over on the Apple ecosystem and they everyone is you know fairly happy with, except for the developers, is fairly yeah. happy with those. So it's not like they're doing anything really all that different. This is just very, mm. it's very product specific. So yeah, fair. All right. I'm going to finish on one with, that's a little more humorous before we get on to our picks. Apparently, people voted, and now you can get your own Xbox Series X mini fridge. What? (laughs) So apparently there's some meme that's been going around about how the new Xbox looks like a refrigerator. And um, so Microsoft decided to embrace the meme and um, are turning it into an actual fridge. (laughs) And so you you can pre-order the Xbox Series X replica mini fridge to put your drinks in. <laughs> okay. Hold. There's a problem with this. There's a bit, there's a problem with this. Number one, you scroll down far enough and you see the pictures. There are, there's a lot of orange juice. There's a lot of waters. There's six dozen eggs in there as well. But let's just be clear. If you're getting an Xbox mini fridge, that's filled with like energy drinks that's filled with like cold snacks. Maybe some booze is going to be in there There's as well. There's no orange juice in there. What are they thinking? But There's no I mean, eggs. Eggs? I mean, you're not going to... Let me, uh, let me run up to my game room and let me run to my office to grab my eggs and come back down to the kitchen to make those. They've even got water in there. How ridiculous. I, it's like... Now, if I'm not mistaken, are you looking at the same picture that I'm looking at? Is the, does the top shelf have an Xbox in it? Yes. Why is an X? Is that is that just to get around the three rings of death or something? Is that like because it gets too hot? Or <laughs> I think it's to show the size. I don't know to keep your Xbox cool. Maybe they're having cooling issues. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Anyway, you can go and buy for a limited time an actual fridge from Xbox. I believe. Oh. I assume this is all true. Like I haven't actually found the link to buy it yet. Oh my so god, maybe, it's true. Maybe the joke's on me. How much does no. the fridge cost? Scroll up a little bit, dude. They delivered one of these to Snoop Dogg on his birthday with a custom cake, and there's a video of it on Snoop's Instagram. It's awesome. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I hope he does one of those videos like the like the lizards in the desert with the snakes chasing after it. Remember that? Oh, Have you seen I that do. Snoop Dogg video? Oh, so I good. Oh, I see. Sorry. That custom cake, or the, the, the custom cake, that is the Xbox that was on the top shelf. Although... Well, no, there's actually an Xbox in there as well. But this is that picture is from the one they delivered to him, including all the eggs and the orange juice. Oh, and there's gin on the top. I got it. So there's gin and orange juice. I got gotcha. it. Yeah. But the eggs? Yeah, that seems out of place. There does seem to be bacon next to the eggs, though. So bacon and eggs? Oh, that's bad. cool. But you, I mean, you got to run that down to the kitchen. I'm playing my Xbox. I mean, I can't, I guess, I don't know. Perhaps this was not a for the public thing. It looks like one, they, they say... In the Snoop Dogg article about this, one lucky fan will have the chance to power their dreams and win their own Xbox Series X fridge. So maybe this was a promotional thing that they were doing. You can't actually buy them yourself. They'd made a couple of them, one of them for Snoop Dogg and one of them for one other lucky fan. I'd have one of these in my office. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want an Xbox Series X fridge because at least you could buy a fridge. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean... Because you can't buy the Xbox Series X at the moment. I'd be a little concerned if it has cooling issues, though. Oh, snap, Linden. Yep. Can't say probably. Burn, All right. Hey, with that, this leads us squarely into the picks. Shall we move on? Let's move on. 
ACS Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right. What do you got for us this week, AC? How would you like if in the middle of your day, everything's going just fine, you get an epic alert that says, hey, this thing that is incredibly important to you is going to die in about three hours if you don't address it right away. Hmm. That's what that happened to the bad. Europeans. That's what happened to the European Space Agency at the end of September with their integral space cap, spacecraft that went into an emergency safe mode because one of the spacecraft's three active reaction wheels had turned off without warning, stopped spinning, meant that the satellite started to wobble, and because of that, it started losing its power, and the batteries were going to be completely depleted in about three hours. Awkward. Yeah. Wow. So they had the like massive pucker factor. They had to very quickly get the spacecraft shut down as many things as they could on the spacecraft in order to preserve the to preserve the, the battery that they had. That gave them about seven hours. Then they had to go issue commands to get the reaction wheels started again to get the spacecraft at least in a position where the solar panels would be facing the sun for a lot longer in order to be able to start charging the batteries to really start addressing the problem. Jeez, brutal. Quote, based on a discussion with our colleagues in the flight control team, it looks like the anomaly was triggered by charged particles trapped in the radiation belts around Earth. It blows my mind that, that they can figure out what these things are. It, like, it, and recover like, from it. Remember when, uh, what was it, when back with SpaceX was doing the Falcon 1 rockets and they had three of them or two of them fail in succession and the third one is the one where they was like the make or break for the company. Yep. The second one that failed was when the first and the second stage separated, but the second stage took an extra second for it to separate and to start before the engine actually fired. When that extra second happened, the first stage was still going so fast that it rammed into the back of the second stage and blew it up. And they were able to figure out that it was one nut that had become corroded. That caught that had broken and that had caused that. Chase. That kind of stuff, being able to figure out that it's charged particles trapped in the radiation belts around Earth did this. I tell you what, man, so many times you see these explanations, and I'm just like going, somebody doesn't have a freaking clue and they need to call it my, it's not my fault. So we're just gonna say it was charged particles around Earth because you can't disprove me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It's your uh, Fox capacitor warp drive interface communications conduit. It's uh, definitely broken. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I have a video this week. You remember quite a long time back, we talked about the absolute carnage that is the USB cable standards yes. and the labeling and how you determine whether a USB cable, what type of USB cable is capable of supporting what type of charging and data transfer rates and all that stuff. Turns out there's the same sort of conundrum with HDMI and all sorts of different types of cables, right? They're all of varying quality and all that sort of stuff. So my video this week is is to help viewers or listeners understand the carnage that is HDMI cables. It's from Linus Tech Tips, and its absolute clickbait title is, this just saved me $100,000. But what it is, is he gets a, a cable testing unit, a cheaper, much cheaper cable testing unit, where you can plug in different cables and push a button and it will go and essentially do, uh, uh, do they call it spectrum analysis over cables? Huh. It's kind of like spectrum analysis, right? Where it, this machine fires a bunch of cable signals across the cable and measures all of the wavelengths and the fuzziness and the distortion and all that. And it can tell you whether it passes certain standards for speed. And it also tells you how it does it, like what the, you know, how you determine whether a cable based on the spectrum analysis, essentially, whether this cable passes or fails. I found it really interesting. And so turns out, you know, there are lots of cables you could spend lots of money on that don't do a very good job. Man, and, I'm, uh, yeah. I have that exact problem right now. Actually, if it sounds ironic or sounds sounds like I'm making this up, but I'm trying to find the right HDMI cable to go from my laptop to my monitor because right now, like, so my monitor has the ability to do picture by picture. So side, like split yeah, a wide split screen, screen. two pictures. Mm-hmm. But so it takes two physical inputs. So I take two physical outputs from my laptop and put them in, put them in my monitor. 
Well, one of the inputs that I can use is an HDMI. It's the one that I want to use. But none of the HDMI cables that I have will work consistently without giving that entire part of the screen a pink hue. Right. And gotcha. If I like unplug it and replug it, it's fine. But I may be unplugging and replugging it multiple times to get it to be fine. And I, I did some research on it one time. And it was one of those, like, I can't remember exactly what I queried, what my Google search was, my keywords were. And I found that it's like, you're looking for a cable that is a this spec HDMI. I'm like, well, all these cables I have are like older cables. So that's not yeah, surprising. But not, all, not all cables are alike either. Exactly. So I'm just like... Yeah. So if you buy an HDMI 2.1 cable, for example, you might not be getting a cable capable of HDMI 2.1 necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you probably don't want to go buy one of these machines, but what, because they're pretty expensive, but Linus Tech Tips, I think their goal with this is they're going to publish a list of cables and manufacturers and links to go buy them. Obviously, they want to make some money out of this too, that meet the standards and pass their test cable testing. So sort of verified like a verified cable test results thing page or whatever, which I think is a great idea. Like, oh, totally. You know, if I want a cable that's, you know, two meters long, HDMI cable that meets HDMI 2.1 or whatever, I don't want to go spend, I'm happy to spend more money on one if I know it's going to do a good job, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to have to buy five different ones and trial and error on not getting them to work. A good example, they're not all made equal is that the HDMI cable that came with my soundbar to hook up to my TV, when I'm watching Netflix, Netflix defaults to English Dolby 5.1. Oh, yeah? But my soundbar, every once in a while, my soundbar, the signal doesn't work on the cable. And I've got to pause Netflix, switch over, and go to just English Dolby, not 5.1, because I don't have, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a surround system set up, so it's, I don't need yeah. 5.1. And... Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I remember Interesting. I got a cable that said, oh, it would fix it. And then it didn't fix it. And I was like, well, this was a waste of 20 bucks. But gotcha. So I'm yeah, curious to see that. Looks like they're going to start publishing these reports, keeping cable manufacturers honest. So it was interesting though. Some of the some of the high quality cables didn't didn't pass. You can go check it out. And it shows like these this wavelength analysis and all that sort of stuff. It's really interesting. All right, with that, let's wrap it up. Thanks for another great week, AC. And um, we will tune in next week where we're going to talk about CICD with Azure Functions by the sounds yes, of it. We, yes, we will. I will we will dive in. And uh, anybody has any questions about it, submit those questions. Send them to us via Twitter. Yeah, send them to us via Twitter at yep. Andrew Connell at MS Cloud Show. Either way, yep. we'd love to hear. It. Sounds great. All right, man. All right, catch you next week. Yep, take care. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. It helps people find out about our show and grow our audience, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com forward slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or MP3 and provide us a link so we can play it on the show. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll get notices of each episode, as well as the show notes sent to you directly each week. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.